Hello, welcome to Apostle Frederick Kaliluma's podcast channel. Today, Apostle continues to teach in the faith series that we have been running during our midweek services as he preaches a sermon entitled Weak Faith. He teaches how we can apply the information we acquire from the Word of God as a means to exercise and strengthen our faith. Grab your Bibles, your pens, and your notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. And so I'd like to welcome you all who are watching in your homes. Pay attention. Get rid of distractions. Move to a quieter room if you have to. Pay attention. This service will change your life. Now, I've been teaching on faith. I have been teaching on faith. And last week, I began to define the fact that there are levels of faith. I said something. I said faith is traceable. You can trace your faith to something you've heard. Many of you, years from now, will trace a certain dimension of your faith to this message. You will trace it to this series. You can trace a lack of faith to a message a person has never heard. You can trace it to that video they were scrolling on Facebook that they just skipped and they preferred to watch a funny video instead. Their faith could have been at a whole different level. Personally, I, I, I know messages, I know scriptures, I know sermons that I can trace my faith to. Faith is traceable. And that's because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a place where faith comes from. And another thing that we mentioned is that faith is measurable. Come on, when you look at Hebrews chapter number one and chapter number 11, and you look at verse number one, it says now faith is the substance of, of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That shows you something. Faith is a substance. In Romans chapter number 12 and verse 3, we are told uh, that I urge you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. So faith is measurable. Faith is a substance, so it can be measured. And last week, we looked at the concept of little faith. Now, you know, sometimes... Uh, you hear people talking about how, you know, it doesn't matter how big your faith is or how small it is. You know, there comes a place where it does matter. I'm saying this because Jesus is the one who talked about little faith. And when he talked about it, he was rebuking his disciples. Remember when Peter was walking on water with Jesus and then suddenly everything became boisterous. It was already boisterous, but he focused on the winds and he started sinking. And Jesus said, you of little faith. That shows you that Jesus didn't expect their faith to remain little forever. If we can accomplish mountains moving with a mustard seed of faith, how much more can we accomplish if we get that mustard seed and plant it and it becomes the greatest tree? How much more can we accomplish with greater faith? It means if we want to see greater things, we must increase our faith. And I challenged us last week because the Bible says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? And that shows you that faith can reduce. It can reduce. And don't let that happen to you. 
Don't be that kind of person who looks back and there was a period in your life you were prayerful, but now that's not the case. And that's how backsliding starts. It starts in the heart. And you see that how backsliding goes is that there are certain works that you used to do that suddenly you don't do anymore. It was an error for you to miss a church service. You couldn't miss a church service. Suddenly you can miss two or three in a row. God will understand. And you even start saying things like, no, you know, the church is not about a building. I think in this period we have learned that we miss the buildings. We do miss brotherly fellowship. And biblically, the church is about brotherly fellowship. Don't become that person. Don't become that person. And remember what Jesus said when he was talking about repentance. He said, repent and do the works you did before. So meaning sometimes the secret to repentance is simply to go back to those things that you used to do and do it with a passion. And now today we're going to look at another concept. We're going to look at weak faith. Now we traced little faith to a lack of information. Someone's faith will be little if they don't know much. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I got a message and it said, Pastor, what about if you know a lot but you're not really... Uh, um, I think I, I've forgotten the exact wording, but it was something about those who know a lot, but they're exhibiting the same results as little faith. And I said, listen to next week's message. And we're talking about weak faith. So let's look at a certain man called Abraham, who had many sons. Uh, if you were in Sunday school when you were younger, I'm sure you know what song I'm singing right now, right? Many sons and father Abraham, Romans chapter 4. I am one of them. And so are you. So let us praise the Lord. Then we'll say something like what? Right hand. Something like that. But uh, Wonderful, wonderful moments. So we are talking about Abraham. And it says, Therefore, if it, was, if it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, what promise is being talked about is revealed in verse 13. God gave Abraham a promise that he would, be, he would inherit the world. And so Paul here is trying to tell the Romans that the promise was of faith. And the advantage with it being of faith is that you can connect to the promise by faith, even if you are not born a Jew. That's what he's trying to say. So now, give me verse uh, 17. We are told more things about Abraham. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's very powerful. We're being told that Abraham believed. Now, there's something he believed. It was a particular message. So did Abraham lack information? No. He knew exactly what God had said. God told him. So Abraham had all the information. All the information. The information was that he was going to be the father of many nations. God actually already called him the father of many nations. He changed his name. And then Abraham also knew that the God he was dealing with is the one who gives life to dead things. And he calls those things which are not as though they are. And they become. So he calls those things which are not as though they are. That's how he deals with things. Now the question is, what was Abraham's response to this that he knew? Here's what it says. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he might become the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. 
Praise God. So the situation he was in was hopeless. But the guy believed contrary to hope. He believed contrary to hope. Somebody say glory. glory. Say it one more time. Glory. In your homes, say glory. Now, we're going to look at the next verse. The next verse will really show us what, what we're talking about. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice it says, and not being weak in faith. That shows you that different people can respond to the same information differently. Different people can respond to the same information differently. And this man decided not to respond to it by being weak in faith. Let me show you Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. I want us, I want us to understand that you can receive the same word but respond to it differently. It says, therefore... Since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. God, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. We'll go to that one another day. Another version says it was of no value to them. Some of these words that are precious to us are of no, values to, uh, no value to others. Amazing, eh? Okay, so back to Romans chapter number four. So it says, and being not weak in faith, that's in verse 19, and being not weak in faith. So here the problem was not the information that he received. There is a way he responded to the information. He responded by being not weak in faith. And if you look at the next verse, which is verse 20, it says he did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. So his response was not being weak in faith. His response was being strong in faith. There is actually such a thing called being weak in faith. And there's actually such a thing called being strong in faith. If it wasn't there, the Bible wouldn't have showed it to us. You know, I was reading an article and I was amazed that, you know, someone was saying, you know, uh, let no one confuse you. Even if your faith is weak, it's okay. And, and the like, there are no heroes in the body of Christ. The only hero is Jesus. I'm thinking this is so unbiblical. Because if you read Hebrews chapter 11, we're being told champions of faith. And we're being told to imitate them. We're being told to imitate the ones who shut the mouths of lions. We're being told to imitate the ones who split red seas. Come on. We're being told to imitate the ones who gave birth while barren. That's, those are the heights we must be looking at. Let's stop petting small things. Let's grow up in the body of Christ. That's when God will introduce us to higher dimensions. Praise God. No, it says, being not weak in faith. Allow me to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that there are people who've got all the information. They've got, they've received the word, but they've never learned to exercise it. They've never learned to exercise their faith. How would that faith be? It would be weak. I want to give you an example. For a person to grow up properly, they have to eat nutritious meals. So here is a gentleman or a lady. It's breakfast. It's uh, the meal after breakfast. What do you call it? Brunch? No, br brunch is a combination of breakfast and lunch, right? 
there's like a meal after breakfast, because I know people have been doing that a lot since they've been working from home. So the person eats breakfast, they eat the meal after breakfast, then they have lunch, then they have what we call in Zambia, 16. Okay? Uh, I, I, when, I was, when I was growing up, it was a crime if the person who, who remained at home with you did not make you something for 16. You would complain. Yeah, so you have your four o'clock tea, and then afterwards, in the evening, you have supper, and then you've got a midnight snack. Now, a person is doing that over and over again. They're getting all this information, and then all they do is sleep the whole day. What do you think is going to happen? They'll keep bulging and bulging and bulging. So they are growing, but they are weak. If you had to tell them to run, they'll be weak. Why? Because they didn't exercise. It's the same thing with your faith. There are some of you, you've heard, my goodness, you've heard, you've got the glossary of sermons. You know, it's interesting that there are people in this world who've done more with knowing 1% of what you know. Always going about, hey, some of these people, they don't even interpret the Bible well. Even the, the, the humanitics and the shan shan they're not doing it so well. I, I don't like the teaching of eschatology, the teaching of what those guys are busy healing the sick, uh, casting out devils with that which they don't know. And you, here you are, all you're doing is winning Facebook arguments. Come on, guys, come on. We can do better than that. And you'll find somebody has got all these arguments. They know the 15 laws of what? The 72 laws of what? They've never laid hands on a person with a headache. They've never casted out a demon. Now, allow me to say this. Jesus, look, we're, we're, we're talking scripture here. Mark 16, what did Jesus say? These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll win arguments. No, in my name, they'll cast out devils. So that, that, that shows you that, look, it's one thing to know the 15 laws of the doctrine of deliverance. It's another thing to be practical about it and go help a person who's been oppressed by a devil. If you can help a person who's oppressed by a devil, you know what you're doing? Your faith is getting stronger because you're exercising it. When you don't exercise your faith, you will not be at the same level as another person who may even know less than you but exercises their faith. Uh, last week, um, there was a person that we were ministering to. And the person was being afflicted by a foul spirit. And we were able to deal with it within a short period of time, a few minutes to be honest. I retraced my steps to about, uh, when I said ministering like that, and I think that's maybe eight, nine years ago. And I realized that I dealt with cases which were probably not even as hard as those, but probably would have taken me five, six, seven hours. What's the difference? It's simply the exercising of faith. The more you exercise it, there's something that happens. It's, that's, that, that's what you do with spiritual gifts. That's what you do with this. With, 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 you exercise your faith. You have heard it is written, given it shall be given unto you. If it just remains a scripture in you and you've never exercised it, your faith in that era will be weak. You'll find there's a certain amount you can never go beyond because your faith is weak. You, you'll start off at a lower level. Is somebody following me? So there are people with all the information but have never learned to exercise their faith. And Abraham in that scripture, the problem was not an information problem. He already knew who, he already knew the promise, he knew what God had promised, but what did he do? He exercised his faith. He was not weak in faith. And I, I want to give you an example of somebody who had 
the right information, but did not exercise their faith. Judges chapter number 6, verse 11. This was at a time when Israel was crying to God for a deliverer, not knowing that the deliverer was already there. Israel was crying to God for a deliverer. Some of you, your families are crying to God for a prophet. They're crying to God for somebody to give them wisdom. Little do they know that wisdom sleeps next to them. In the... Some of them don't know. They share that matrix which is down with wisdom, with a person who can give them wisdom for life. Praise God. <laughs> and then one day it becomes the story. I, you, some, some people, your university roommates, probably, you even, you're even the one who takes the top bank and they even sleep on the floor with somebody who can change your life. I think years from now you see the one TV. I knew him. This was even up so I can call him. Find the numbers change. Okay. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Look at this. Now the angel of the Lord, when Judges 6:11, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The guy was even hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. According to God, he was already a mighty man of valor. He was not trying to become one. He was already one. What was the problem? He had just never exercised it. And Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Gideon did not have an information problem. He definitely knew that God performs miracles. Notice, the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The guy says, if the Lord is with us, then why is this happening? He, so he knew if God is with you, everything is okay. He, I, I mean, he knew if God was with them, they would be able to defeat the Midianites. He also knew that if God was with them, they would see miracles. They would see wonders. And the guy, notice, he says, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Next verse. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Look at that. He already had might in him. And the Lord says, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? What was he doing with the information he had? Let's go on. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, and notice the word, indeed my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God is seeing someone as mighty man of valor. This guy is seeing himself not just as the, he, he's saying first, in my clan is the weakest, and then in that same clan which is the weakest, I am the least. So what did that lead to? He was considering the circumstances, unlike Abraham. Abraham did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb, nor his own body. And because of that, he was not getting weak in faith. Oh, I'm thinking, God can tell you this, and every day you're analyzing A, B, C, D. I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody right now who God has told, maybe a few weeks ago, God told them, you're going to have this uh, company, maybe you do in international trade uh, and the like, and then the dollar keeps going up, up, and as the dollar is going up, their faith is getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker because they're considering everything else except God's word. If you don't exercise your faith, you will be weak. Allow me to say this because I know I lead a generation of people that confess a lot. People that speak a lot. Okay? 
I want to show you something. People that know a lot, actually. I've noticed a number of people actually know more than they confess. You'd be surprised. The number of people I've gone to share the word of God with, they're even finishing the scripture for me, but they just don't apply it. I mean, you know the scriptures have told you about holiness. Be holy just as he is holy. You know they've told you what to avoid, but then you're not applying it. You'll keep getting weaker. And your resolve, your convictions won't be strong anymore. I want us to look at something. Luke chapter 4 verse 17. Look at, this is Jesus. And it says, and he was handed over the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The origin of faith is for you to find the place where it is written. Have you found what is written on you? I don't know about you, but I found where it was written on me. I, I found it. I found it. I found it was written of me that the Lord God has given you the tongue of the learned to speak a word in, in, in season to him that is weary. He awakens my ear morning by morning to his will. I found that place where it was written of me. And the other day I was checking and I found it was written of me that if you believe, not only will you do these works I'm doing, but greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Woohoo! I found it. I found where it was written on me that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Someone would say, Pastor, that scripture applies to Jesus. It applies to me. Why? The Bible says as he is in heaven, so am I here on earth. And he told us to imitate him. He's the greatest standard. Oh, glory to God. Have you found where it's written of you? The trouble comes in when we don't read the verse afterwards. If, if you found where it was written of you, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. So you just said, ah, okay, you know, God knows what he's doing, eye has not seen. But then you never found that the next verse was even written to you, which said, but God has revealed these things. Then you will not seek him for revelation. Now, he was handed over the prophet of Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Uh-huh. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable of the year of the Lord. And look at what he says next. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And what did he say? And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He found where it was written of him and he confessed it. So you find where it was written of you. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although being rich, he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might become rich. You close it and you say, this is fulfilled. I'm wealthy. I'm rich. But then you move from Luke 4. You must go to Luke 7. You must go to Luke 7. Let's go to Luke 7. Luke 7, let's read from verse 19. What kind of man is Jesus? Hallelujah. And John calling two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus. Now remember, Jesus found what was written of him. Eh? But then three chapters later, let's look at what happens. John calling two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus saying, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? I hear there are people who are doing this like, um, probably, <laughs> I, I just heard that this scripture is very popular, like when some 
gentlemen are trying to make some proposals and the like. There are people who've really, really been waiting and they don't want to play around. So when the gentleman comes and says, no, I'm, I've got this and this intentions, I hear the reply, are you the coming one? Like, right now we're not interested in John the Baptist and the like and prophets, we're interested in the Messiah. <laughs> yeah, so please, be, be free to ask those questions, eh? Saying, are you the one who should we look for another? So anyway, let's go on. And, <laughs> and I was interested. And that very hour, look at what he does. First, he didn't answer. It says that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirit. And to many blind, he gave sight. Uh -huh. And Jesus answered and said to them, go tell John the things which you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. What does that show you? He moved from showing what was written about him to doing what was written about him. You must move from merely knowing, then you go to confessing, and then you have to go to doing, and that leads you to becoming. So yes, Yes, you know that you know that. Yes, you now know the scripture which says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although being rich, he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. So, what must you do? Confess it, right? Then, what must you do? Follow the biblical principles of rich, of being rich. What are the biblical principles? You must give. What are the biblical principles? You must work hard. And then now you would say, That crusade is paid for. <laughs> I've taken good care of my family. I've done ABCD. Surely I've proven 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Come on. The only cure to weak faith is to start exercising your faith. How long have you read in the scriptures that all believers have gifts of the Spirit? How long have you read in the scriptures that you receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you? For how long have you read that believers cast out devils? For how long have you read that believers heal the sick and they are comfortable with just remaining with the gift of singing? That's where you just end. You just sing. You just usher. All those things are very important. But come on, ain't you hungry for everything else the word of God says about you? And those things will never be achieved without exercising. That's why as believers, you must be interested in things like missions. You must be interested in things like house visitations. You must be interested in things like cell groups. Cell groups are a perfect opportunity to exercise your faith. You must be interested in such. Those are perfect opportunities. You must be interested in fellowships at your, at your universities. You must be interested in lunch hour fellowships at your workplaces. You must be interested in family groups. And exercise your faith. You find you've got 10 people on your list who are complaining about a headache. And you've got dreams that one day you pray for a lame person and they'll walk. That person was complaining of a headache. I'm not saying go do something exaggerated or do a summer. No, I'm just saying, you say, may I please pray for you? And you I don't know whether it's a phone call. And, and you just go and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that headache. When you do your hospital visitation, yes, you carry the apples uh, and the bananas. And you say, okay, look, apples and bananas I have. But there's something bigger which I have and I give unto you. 
I'm just saying, you have to learn to exercise your faith. Many people have asked me what made me grow up fast in the faith. It's very simple. I found opportunities to exercise it. I found opportunities to exercise it. I just decided, you, you, you know, I remember talking to somebody and um, we, I think we had a meeting where we prayed for, it should have been one of the first times we prayed for somebody with a shorter leg and in ground. And I remember I was at school, by then I was at the University of Zambia and I overheard some people discussing and they were saying, huh? And they were talking about me. This one, this one is a true, this one. I'm thinking, the Bible told us to do these things. And I realized that there are many people who have not switched from believing to becoming. And you know, sometimes I ask myself, do we really believe? Do we really believe what the scriptures say? And if we believe, do we put our money where our mouth is? Do we actually exercise it? If you want your faith to grow, you're going to have to learn to exercise. Spiritual things have to be exercised. Think about Hebrews 5 verse 13. You know, exercising your faith, not only does it make you skillful in how to use it, it also gives you confidence. In Hebrews 5 verse 13, we're told, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. It doesn't say it does not know the word of righteousness. It says is unskilled. So you can, be, you can know it, but you're unskilled. And it says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. And look at this. That is who by reason of use, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There are people who actually exercise their spiritual senses to discern what is good and what is evil. Can you imagine? That? So you can actually exercise spiritual things and become skillful. And you know your confidence grows when you exercise your faith. What do you think gave David confidence when he was faced with Goliath? How many of you have read it? I want us to, let's go to it. It should be 1 Samuel 16, eh? First Samuel chapter number 16. Somebody say glory to God. If you exercise your faith, if you exercise your faith, you're going to learn, you're going to have confidence for bigger things. They're going to have confidence for bigger things. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to think that one day you're just going to wake up doing big things when you've not learned how to be faithful. Then the Bible says if you're faithful in smaller things, you'll be faithful in the bigger ones as well. You know God has placed a dream on your heart. And in that dream upon your heart, you know that... Um, you know that with that dream on your heart, you're going to build an orphanage. Give me first Samuel 17. You're not gonna just wake up one day with this big orphanage when you've not exercised your faith to help one or two people with their school. Exercise it. All that is part of exercising your faith. Now, I want us to see, um, we're gonna start from an earlier part there is something that happened, eh? 
David discovered that the Israelites were in retreat. And in verse uh, 26, David inquired about it. And he said, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines? And, you know, they told him what would be done. And in verse 29, oh, my God, the statement David made is what causes me to preach everywhere. Look at what David says. He says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? He was saying this to his brothers who are telling him he will go home. The guy says, is there not a cause? We can't keep quiet when there is a cause. We cannot, we can't help but preach this message when there is a cause. That deserves a series. Eh? Remind me, is there not a cause? Let's go on. Then he turned from him to one another and said the same thing. And the people answered him as the first ones. Now, I want you to see verse 33. Let's start with verse 32. I want you just to see what I'm talking about exercising your faith. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart be fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. By the way, as we're reading this, in retrospect, have it in mind that he was anointed in chapter 16. So did he just sit down with the anointing? You'll see now. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine or to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And what did David reply? But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, are you seeing what he did? Meaning, in those private moments in which no one was watching, David was exercising his faith. What was it doing? He was, he, he was exercising. He was in training. And you know, training usually happens in private. He was building up for this public thing. It didn't start in public. It started in private. He learned to exercise it. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck and killed it. Hey. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. <laughs> Where did that boldness come from? He had done it before. I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. I believe I'll see you do it again. I can tell you something. It's easy to believe for something you've seen before. That's why you must learn to exercise your faith. You know, the people who watch us in the meetings, and you know, I've had some people come to ask me, Pastor, don't you get afraid at a big meeting, over 1,500 people, and you're, and you're commanding a deaf ear to open. I've seen a deaf ear open in private. It, it, it does something to you. It builds you. It builds you. And that's why it doesn't surprise you that when Goliath approached him, look at what David did in verse 41. The Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. Uh -huh. And when the Philistine looked, he saw David and he, he laughed at him for he was only a youth and ruddy and good looking. Like somebody I know. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Uh -huh. And he said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Come on, we are getting somewhere. After this, you, this will make you run. And David said, you come to me with a sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He knew how to use that name. He had probably done the same with the lion and the bear. How else can you explain him killing them? The God of the armies of Israel, that means the God of angels, whom you have defined. Uh -huh. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And he began telling him what will happen. So he started by talking. How does faith start? You talk. 
you talk, you talk. He said, I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air. He talked. With faith, you start by talking. But he didn't just talk. Uh-huh. Then, give me the next verse. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran towards him. He didn't just speak. Now he, he exercised it. What gave him the boldness to run towards the Philistine? He had done it before. But I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that big destiny you have, those big dreams you have, those big things you see God fulfilling in your life, have you started exercising your faith? Don't let the moment you meet Goliath, you have no testimony of a lion and a bear. Don't put yourself in a position where you'll be so weak that when Goliath talks at you, everything about you will be discouraged. You must learn to exercise your faith. Next week, we're going to be looking at strong faith. And then we're going to be looking at great faith. We're going to look at how the Bible does talk about being strong in faith. And the Bible also talks about great faith. And listen, if the Bible talks about great faith, and it also talks about faith like a mustard seed, and the Bible tells us to desire the greater gifts, then surely you should not be content with your faith remaining little when the Bible has shown us that we can grow it. Praise God. And it's interesting that the people who are called had great faith were even before the age of being born again. How much more you and I? Say, I have the God kind of faith. I can do anything. Lift your hands in your homes. I declare your faith is growing. This word that I've spoken, it is working for you. It is working. It is working. It is working. It is working. Come on, just in your homes for a minute or two, vocalize your faith. Vocalize your faith. Vocalize it. Your word is enough. To give me victory, vocalize it. It's been my shouldering the rain. Your word is alive and it's growing inside of me. And my faith gets bigger by the day. Your word is enough. Your word is enough. I believe your word. I believe your word. la 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 I do conceive it, I do believe it, I do produce it, I do confess it, I do exercise it, I do believe your words, I believe Thank you, Lord. We believe you're the God of miracles. We believe that you're the one who does great things. 
Father, I pray for your people. I feel led to pray over your finances. I decree and declare that this storm bypasses you. I decree and declare that the blood at the shed of your door causes this storm to bypass you. This storm bypasses you. The words that you've been confessing, the seeds that you've been sowing, are a shelter for you. This bypasses you. This bypasses you. And through you, many will not suffer because of your great heart. This bypasses you. There is a supernatural turnaround in your life in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I would like to encourage you to join us this Sunday. We are going to be having a special communion service. And in this communion service, we'll get the elements from our households. We advise you to get the elements, the juice, and to get the bread. And we're going to lead communion and you'll have it in your households. And remember, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So it's something special to Jesus and we'll do it in our households. So I, 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 want us to, I want us to ensure that we are online this Sunday. Otherwise, God bless you all. At this moment, we're going to give our offerings and the details for giving offerings will be read and they will be scrolling. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. We thank God for that wonderful sermon. So just as Apostle mentioned, the details for giving offering are as follows. So if you're going to pay via Etel money, the number is 0977-479-703. And that will go to Zhanggu. And then for MTM money, if you want to pay through MTN, the number is 0963-582-454. So I'll say that again, 0963-582-454. And that will go to Suilanji. Then if you want to pay by Zamtel, the number is 0953-758. So sorry, let me say that again. 0953-756. 076. And if you want to pay via FMB through e-wallet or pay to sell, the number is 0977-479703. And that will go to Zhanggu. And if you want to pay by Zapit, the number is 0963-582454. And that will go to Suilanji. And if you'd like to make a direct deposit, to City of the Lord Church Bank. So this is Atlas Mara by East Park Branch, and the account number is as follows. So that is 3255820431014. So I'll say that one more time. 32558204301014. And those are the details that you use to pay your offering. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also want you to know that you can contact us for prayer. Just send us a message on whatever platform this is. Contact us for prayer. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you all. And we're going to see you on Sunday.
what a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. Now, wherever you're listening from, we would like to hear from you. Get in touch with us. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0953756076 or 0977474679. If you're unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Until next time, keep confessing the word of God over your life. Stay blessed.